Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today Friday podcast on the 15th of December 2023. I'm Andy Eubank, joined today by Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller and Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. The podcast is brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, experience banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. Visit ffbt.com to learn more or stop by your local branch to talk about your ag operation today. Coming up in the news, a preview of the new Purdue Crop Chat podcast, and they take a look at biologicals. Ryan's forecast, more mild weather, but some moisture on the way. Mixed ag markets yesterday, mostly higher, though. Mike Silver analysis coming up on the Hoosier Ag Today Friday podcast. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. Let's harvest success together. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. From seed, grain, and feed companies to crop protection, farm implements, and technology, agribusiness is all around us here in Indiana. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. At ACI, our sole focus is on the needs of our members. We advocate, educate, inform, and we invite you to join us in our mission. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to become a member. That's inagribiz.org. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. More questions about biologicals and exploring more opportunities for women in agriculture. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This is Hoosier Ag Today. Meeting season, conference season, whatever you want to call it, it's underway. Purdue Extension Specialists Dan Corn Quinn and Soybean Sean Castile have already attended and have spoken to crowds at many different meetings around the country. Castile tells us on the latest Purdue Crop Chat podcast, found now wherever you listen to podcasts, that there's one consistent theme. They're getting a lot of questions about biologicals. I think a lot of the questions is what works, what doesn't, and where do you start? And Castile admits that's a tough question to answer right now. There's over 1,200 companies in this space, so Mm -hmm. let that sink in. Over 1,200 companies in the space of biologicals, as they're described as, it can be microbial, it could be plant extracts, it could be seaweed, so that, that kind of area, over 1,200 companies. Clearly, with that many companies, it's difficult for Castile and Quinn to perform research on each one to give those clear answers to farmers about what works and what doesn't. After taking input from farmers last year, they did some biological trials, specifically those revolving around nitrogen and phosphorus. Castile explains why he thinks there's such interest in biologicals. They're a product that we can apply that provides that so we don't have as much synthetic, so that I don't have as much regulation or, you know, the government on on my back, right? And so I think there's some more hope in that is that here's one avenue, here's one product that can help me reduce my nitrogen or reduce my phosphorus in this example and not have this government regulation, right? So I, I think there's a lot of hype in this. I think there's a lot of hope. It's, uh, is there any proof in the pudding on that? That's the question I get. After those trials this year, Quinn and Castile are sad to report they haven't found the silver bullet to increase corn and soybean yields, but their research will be ongoing. They encourage you to do your own research on your farm in the Purdue Crop Chat. Listen now in the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. You can download it for free on your iPhone or Android. 
Selling Indiana soybeans on the export market is one thing. Getting those soybeans to those export markets is quite another. Hoosier Ag Today's Eric Pfeiffer will be traveling with a group of Indiana soybean farmers to the Panama Canal for a first-hand look at the issues facing export shipments of soybeans around the world. Listen for his on-location reports made possible by the Indiana Soybean Checkoff exclusively from Hoosier Ag Today. A Hendricks County farmer is a member of the American Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee, which brings together women in ag to sharpen their skills and become leaders in the industry. C.J. Miller has more. We can be great leaders as women. And that's Margaret Gladden, who farms with her husband Dale near Danville. American Farm Bureau has been hosting Ag Connect Her events, which engage women with the training and education they need to become powerful advocates for agriculture. We try to do these four times, five times a year in bringing together powerful women that have worked themselves up into the business world and done wonderful, great, empowering things. And they are just great leaders and can empower all women. Gladden says it's important for women in agriculture to come together and support one another. People tend to look at the role of agriculture as a man's world, but there are more women that are coming up in the rank of majoring in agriculture, and there are more women owning farms now than there used to be. We look at that field. We've got to keep pursuing and going to stand on our feet also. I'm C.J. Miller. And I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Let's face it. Operating a farm isn't going to get any less expensive this year. That's why an operating loan from Farm Credit Bid America is built to give you more cash back and more flexibility in how you are able to manage your funds. Learn more at fcma.com operating and get an operating loan that pays you back. Loan subject to credit approval. Additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Bid America is an equal opportunity lender. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Act Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. As we move through your Friday and the start of the weekend, Saturday we're looking at sunshine and blue sky and temperatures that are quite mild. Beautiful setup here overall. High pressure is moving away. We're up the backside of that. We're seeing south wind. We saw those south winds take control yesterday and it led to a very nice setup. But once again, I need to draw your attention back off to the south and west. Moisture, third straight day coming through parts of the central plains and southern plains. Today it's moving through eastern parts of Kansas, Oklahoma, northeast Texas. It's going to be working its way into the Mississippi River Valley overnight tonight into tomorrow morning. And eventually, tomorrow evening, it shows up here. Clouds increase late tomorrow afternoon and evening, and we go through tomorrow overnight and Saturday with scattered rain showers trying to work through anywhere from a few hundredths to maybe three quarters of an inch, depending on where you're at. I think the heaviest moisture is going to be downstate in southern Indiana. The lightest activity is going to be up north, but it's definitely wet. We're not going to be drying at all in there, and this feature is going to draw down some very cold air behind it starting Sunday midday to afternoon as the moisture is still trying to kick out to the east. To be clear, I'm only looking at rain right now. I don't think this is a big snow event, but it does have cold air coming in quickly behind it. We're chilly for Sunday night. We're very chilly for Monday, Tuesday. As strong northwest winds come across the Great Lakes, we're going to have lake effect cloud cover in all areas. So kind of a blustery 
cold start to the week. We then turn around and see temperatures moderate with south flow returning next Wednesday the 20th, and we stay moderate on temperatures through Thursday and Friday. But I want to stress, this is not as warm of an outlook as maybe what we were looking at, and let's be honest, keeping our fingers crossed for a few days ago. That being said, there's still no way that we get a white Christmas. I will say there is a slightly increased chance now of a wet Christmas. Late next week on Friday, a system tries to drag across Oklahoma and North Texas. It does not get to us at all, but mostly who heads toward the Tennessee Valley. What I think it does is prime the pump a little bit, though, for a secondary system that's coming out of northern Mexico across southern Arizona into New Mexico and eventually west Texas on Christmas Eve. That one may have a little bit more of a northern track and could be on the way to head towards us as we move through the Christmas Day or day after Christmas time frame. So we're going to watch that right now. But there's a potential for a wet Christmas. Like I said, though, still no threat of a white Christmas. That's a look at your forecast update. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Higher beans and wheat, corn, right at even. This is Who's Your Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday Farm Market Review. Settlements on the way. First, let's find out why the markets did what they did. I got analysis at the end of trade from Mike Silver. He's with Kokomo Grain. Mike, so many things to talk about with the Fed policy statement on Wednesday. Also, the devaluing of the Argentine peso and South American weather as a whole. The ag market's responding on a day when most commodities were extremely strong, very mildly, not a whole lot of movement, some uh, difficulty getting some traction here. True, Andy, but at least uh, we're not down, okay, at this point in the grain markets. Uh, So we've got that going for us at the moment, at least anyway. But um, if we look at the export sales this morning, uh, the corn number came in at 1.418 million metric tons. That's compared to 1.288 last week. So a better number than last week. And certainly corn number was at the high end of expectations. The soybean number came in at the upper end of expectations, uh, not quite as good as last week's number at 1.517, but respectable at 1.084 million metric tons. And we had a 16-year weekly high on wheat exports this last week, uh, export sales, 1.490.5 million metric tons. And from last week's uh, 365.4 thousand tons, uh, that is a good, strong number. Um, And we also had uh, another consecutive flash sale uh, to an unknown destination today of 400,000 tons of beans. So, uh, so far, every day, the month of December and going back to the last several days, of November, we've had flash export sales, and we certainly need to keep that pace up because uh, we still, uh, in corn, uh, we are almost where we need to be, uh, maybe just slightly ahead of the weekly pace we need to meet the export sales projection. Soybeans, uh, we're about there too, but we we definitely need to sustain uh, our export uh, business. Uh, and, you know, tomorrow, if we could get another flash export sale, that would be a good string to continue. Uh, time will tell how that works out. Uh, yesterday, 
uh, Wednesday, of course, we get our ethanol report. And our ethanol uh, production last week was down just a little bit. We built stocks just a little last week. But uh, we used, uh, in the United States, 1.09 million bushel of corn. That was 200,000 bushel less than the week before. Ethanol profits are still good, so we continue to uh, use corn to make ethanol. Uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, we need to, to keep this export pace up. The dollar index certainly makes our grains an attractive buy in the global market. We do still have some logistics uh, challenges in low water levels on the Mississippi, um, especially in the lower part of the river. And, of course, we're coming into that time of the year where the uh, we're going to start to see some freezing on the Mississippi River. And the Panama Canal is still an issue. Um, uh, even though our grains are uh, competitively priced in the world market, as evidenced by our export sales and these flash sales, uh, there are still some logistics problems and some higher uh, freight rates uh, because of the uh, low water levels in the Panama Canal. So we've got, uh, we've got those issues we have to deal with. And, of course, Andy, uh, tomorrow's the 15th of December. We're headed toward the holidays here again in uh, not too long, not too many days. So um, South America very much still uh, in the picture. The weather pattern uh, in Brazil has improved somewhat in Argentina, too. But uh, the market is focused on what their production estimates are going to be down there. Farmer selling here in the United States uh, is for cash flow needs only, basically. Um, farmers are delivering some grain. They're coring uh, their bins, especially in corn. Uh, the soybean market has offered some opportunity. So we've been having conversations with farmers about the differences between the crop year that we just finished uh, and the previous three crop years, uh, there's carry in the market. Uh, folks still uh, aren't thrilled, certainly, about the price levels uh, that we have in the cash grain markets right now. But as we've talked many times, Andy, um, it's it's a different year. Our carry out uh, in corn is still big. Um, the, wheat, the, the wheat market certainly and our sales to China, as evidenced by uh, today's record-breaking 16-year high in the weekly wheat export sales. And China has been buying U.S. wheat, and they've also been buying some U.S. soybeans and some U.S. corn. But we need to sustain our export business because if we look at our historical averages, go back on a five-year average and even go back on a 10-year average, uh, certainly uh, our export program here in the U.S., um, we've lost uh, we've lost some market share, and we need to pick that back up. Um, so we're going to continue to see volatility, I think, in the market, Andy. Uh, tomorrow ought to be interesting. We'll see if we can't uh, post a positive close uh, on the week. If I look here and just a quick comparison of where we stand today versus last Friday, uh, if we would close where we're trading right now, uh, March corn would be down six cents. Uh, D's 24 corn 
would be down four cents. Our January beans are up a dime. Our November beans are up a dime from last Friday. In December wheat uh, from last Friday, it looks like uh, we're down 21 cents. But um, there will be some opportunity for some better prices, Andy. And we're encouraging farmers right now in our conversations uh, to get their bins cored, get uh, get in shape to carry that corn as long as they feel that they're going to need to to reach their price objectives um, and stay in touch with us, get open orders in the market as we always encourage and just look for opportunities for some better numbers than we have today. And uh, going into the new crop year, uh, we too have to look at the uh, new crop 24 prices for both both corn and soybeans. So, lot to be thankful for. Um, talked about that before, Andy, and I feel that there will be some opportunity, although I caution folks that uh, the price expectations this year, just based on our supply and demand and global economics, uh, don't have the prospects that they've had the previous three years. So I want folks to keep that in mind. That doesn't mean there won't be opportunity. It just means that uh, we need to be realistic about our price objectives. Mike Silver at Kokomo Grain, and the number there is 800-666-0613. On the Hat Thursday Farm Market Review, flat in corn. March ends Thursday, 479 and a quarter, down a quarter cent. May down a half cent, 492, so very little movement there. Beans up about a nickel, the January six and a half higher, 1314, and March 1332 up five and three quarters. March wheat 615 and three quarters, a gain of a dime and a half. Strong in the meats, February live cattle 167.92 up 70 cents, and February lean hogs 70.47 up $3.75. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday Market Review. This is Who's Your Ag Today, Indiana's leading farm radio network.